Hi, my name is Ruby, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife's assistant, and you're listening to the Dr. Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive. The episode you'll be listening to today is entitled The Higher Desire Wife, originally produced and published by Dr. Corey Allen from the Sexy Marriage Radio. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy this episode. So coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio, I'm joined again by a friend and colleague, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Where she's, and that's just fun to say. It is fun to say, uh, but she is a fellow Schnarchian, to make up a word, uh, that she goes to a lot of the same trainings I do uh, with Dr. David Schnarch, where we're just, so we, we both believe in the theory of differentiation and the crucible mm-hmm. and just the framework. Um, and so I got her to come back on the air with me because she was on uh, several months back uh, with the Lower Desire Wife. Mm-hmm. was the episode she did with me. And so this week she's back and we're talking um, through an email that comes in on, can you have, what if you use sex for emotional attachment? Mm-hmm. So it's an email coming in from a wife. Curious about that because she's the higher desire. And, and she feels like she's doing that. She sees it as what, could this be a problem? Is there something wrong? Mm-hmm. And so okay. she and I uh, dive into answering that question. Which then leads us into the extended portion of today's show, which is deeper, longer, and there's no ads. And you can subscribe at smrnation.com. Dr. Jennifer and I continue the conversation, but this time we shift it to have a little more of a deep dive on the lower desire husband. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the aspects that are going on mm-hmm. and could be going on that make up that, that dynamic? Sure. And so it's a fun conversation that she and I have, uh, and hopefully it's very helpful to a lot of people, regardless of if you're the uh, a female higher desire or the lower desire, because there's this is non-gender specific dynamics we're talking about. Right. So all that's coming up on today's show. I'm excited to have back on the air with me again on Sexy Marriage Radio, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, who's a colleague of mine. We go to a lot of the same trainings, um, shared some meals together, talk shop talk life uh and you've been on before when we did an episode on the lower desire wife was the title that we did but one of the things i love about you jen is um the way you frame a lot of the stuff because you have uh, the similar uh christian religious lens i guess you yes. could say sure trying to apply it to schnarch's work and yeah and you do an exceptional job with it and so uh, I wanted to get you back on the air with me again, just because I've got a couple of emails that have been sitting in the inbox that I think I would love your take alongside mine to sure. let's unpack these yeah. and, and see great. where it goes. Does that work for you? Very, very much so. Yeah. Perfect. So this first one's from a wife and the title of it, Jennifer, is using sex for emotional attachment is her question. So uh-huh. she goes on to say, I, li- I first have to say I'm thankful for the podcast, wish that she could give a big hug and express how much and thankful and helpful it's been. But I want to hear feedback and suggestions on possibly using sex for emotional attachment. While in the process of trying to better myself, I came across this idea of soulless sex and so much rang true. And I've, I'm not, have you heard of soulless sex before? Like S O L A C E, not soul, 
as in your soul, but oh. like solace. I guess it, solace is probably oh, the way I should have said that. Sex. Yeah, right. Got I it. Got it. Totally misspoke on that one. Now yeah. that I'm. T- yeah, yeah. I was thinking like without a soul. Yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah, not that way at all. So solace, sex, where you take solace yeah. in sex. Okay. And I still haven't heard that before. Uh-huh. It makes sense. No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah. So she keeps going. So growing up, I'd always been looking forward to sex, excited when my husband and I got married, and I would finally be able to. But I was thrown off by how differences there, how much difference there is in our desires. I'm the higher desire and will never decline a sex opportunity, open to almost anything. I'm quick to initiate and feel pretty confident in the bedroom. While this may sound great, it's almost a curse. And I think she's ringing true of a lot of higher desires yes. out uh-huh. there. <laughs> I yep. think about sex all the time, initiate often, but get rejected a bit too. When I get rejected, I get so upset and it's hard to brush it off. I will notice myself examining other people's relationships and how the men are so reactive to their wives, wondering why mine isn't. I work out, keep my body in good shape. Sometimes we'll notice the attention I get from other men looking at me. And while I like it, I hate that I do that. I hate it so much. Even when we do have sex, I will almost not be satisfied. And I feel like we need to continue later or tomorrow or every day if we could. It almost seems like it's never enough. I've noticed that sometimes... I won't even feel super horny, but still be craving sex. I understand there's nothing new under the sun, but it makes me feel like something's wrong with me. The problem is I can't pinpoint why I would feel this emotional disconnect. My husband's not a man of many words, but is always there. He's never failed me, and he always knows what to say. He's just not super affectionate, and he's a type 5 if you're into the Enneagrams. I often have to remind myself that I need the vote... I often have to remind him that I need the vocal validation to feel better. I need to hear he thinks I look good or I'm sexy, and then he finds me attractive to feel that way. My husband and I have come a long way in our communication, thanks to your show, and I know no marriage is perfect, and I'm thankful for the satisfaction Jesus can fill the voids, but I would like your advice on how to stop and retrain my brain on this unhealthy habit, because it would save me a lot of pain. Thanks again for all that you do. Mm-hmm. So she's capturing you, a lot and, of what yeah, higher desires <laughs> route yeah, has feel. been. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And do you know anything about the Enneagram, like what a type five is, just so I can kind of picture I, her husband? Yeah, I can't off the top of my yeah. head. I know it, okay. uh, at least for yeah. familiarity, and I've had some uh, guests on in the past on it, but that is not yeah. um, sure. the realm Something I've done a lot of study in. No. Yeah. Okay, good. No, I just was making sure. Yeah. No, exactly. There's so much there that's often in the typical high desire position. And I mean, I can just give you a couple of my thoughts and we can kind of please both, do. you know, yeah, please contribute do. to it. I mean, one of the thoughts I have is that she is, I think, in a position and using sex or relating to sex in a way that often drives the lower desire person into even lower desire. How so? And herself into higher desire. Because yeah, that's that's what jumps out to me, yeah. but you're framing it really sure. cleanly. So how so? Yeah. So I think that because, you know, to use a Snarsh's way of languaging this, I think her desire for sex, and I think she's putting it in this idea for, of emotional attachment. I can't remember how she said yep. it. But she's using sex as a way to sustain her sense of self. She's kind of trying to get this IV drip of validation through sexual validation. Yeah. Through the idea that you desire me, you want me, you're close to me sexually. And a lot of higher desire people do this. Mm -hmm. And it's not an act of intimacy. 
it's an act of validation. Um, okay. You know, uh, uh, sucking. No, <laughs> I, <laughs> with the word I <laughs> well, it's I, yeah, but let's let's clarify the distinction between yeah. those two because a lot of yeah. people I think at face value would hear that as but hold on I'm seeking sex that's intimacy right I mean that's right. that's exactly, exactly what that whole thing is because we interchange those two words yes. way too much when they're not the same thing that's right intimacy and I agree with you a lot of people are like what are you talking about I do want intimacy intimacy in my view is that you are willing to know and be known right right? Like that scriptural reference. And I think that is not for the faint in heart. Most of us want validation much more than we want to be known. Okay. Like that is, I want you to show up and know the good parts of me right? or tell me, like she says, tell me I'm attractive. Tell me I'm valuable. Yep. And she says, I need that. And what she's saying is I need you to reinforce my sense of self because I can't sustain it on my own. Right. And so it makes being with her burdensome. Right, because you have to constantly be propping that up is what you're describing. Yes, and she's giving, and this is very normal, so I'm not pathologizing her. This is normal in, in human development. But at this point in her development, she is looking to get someone else to manage her sense of herself. Right. And that precludes her capacity for intimacy, meaning she, sex for her isn't about just being with her husband, knowing him, knowing who she is, and letting herself be more known. She's looking for a particular experience and version of herself in sex. Okay. And so for him, you know, it's, it's, it gets pushed towards the realm of work. And a lot of women, you know, know this too, when their spouse is the higher desire, that, that sex is about propping up his ego and his penis, and it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because so. <laughs> and, and that's where so you're picking up on um, a lot of the stuff she's has created as part of her development, if you will, is it's predicated mm -hmm. that because if, I, I she sounds like she's got a similar journey. Both you and I have had in the religious context mm -hmm. of being raised under that umbrella of it is mm -hmm. it, it's so enlightening and enduring and and such this mm -hmm. great magical thing that we come into it mm -hmm. with this kind of, yeah. oh, it's going to solve right. all my ails. It's going to solve yeah. everything. And then when you realize it, it's the struggle of, whoa, there's, it, it's, it's, it's hollow or it's fleeting or it's much different than I ever thought it was going mm -hmm. in. But there's also this element because what I'm picking up from her is the manner in which she carries herself and that's noticed she's caught in that double-edged sword of I love it and I hate it because she can recognize it. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm recognizing that other men notice me because I care about me. And then it starts to just come down to yeah. how does she drill into the deeper parts of what's the motivation of how she, it, why she cares about her. Yeah. Is my thought. Process. Exactly. I'm just making sure I'm following what you're saying. Like she's saying she's looking for that validation She's trying to get it through sex from her husband, but she also feels what I think you're saying. And she feels something is awry and wrong about the fact that she knows how to get it at the gym. She knows how to get men to notice her. Yeah. Well, but she feels conflicted about how her seeking of that sort of betrays something inside of her around the kind of woman she wants to be. Yeah, I think, sure. I, I was thinking of it in the, in the context of, 
this this is the double-edged sword of if mm. uh, the motivations of us as human beings as creatures even uh-huh. as people trying to be soft uh, solid sense of selves that mm-hmm. that carries in it um some results that maybe we weren't intending but we will like <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know you carry yourself well you do get noticed some yes. people carry themselves well well to get noticed though and there's yes. the difference in the, in the way it. i think yes. of it i think what you're yeah. picking up on from her is this context of she has carried herself and maybe it's even unbeknownst to the the deeper parts of her for yeah. a motivation of an attachment for a motivation of a validation which is what you're describing yes. in her marriage but she's also right. seeing it as you know if i look good in my marriage i'm going to look good to other people too and yeah. and there's the struggle because that's got the that's got the icky feeling to it, to it. Of, right. I don't want to be attracted to any tr- attractive to anybody else, even though how can you not be? Yeah, exactly. And and she, and she probably has a bit of an icky feeling in her marriage as well. So it's kind of why the sex is never fully satisfying, because she's trying to extract something. She's maybe getting a husband who accommodates her. Right. But she doesn't yet feel desired and chosen. Because she's always trying to sort of extract it based on how she's talking about it. Okay. So then what's the next step to help yeah. her? How does she shift that? Because that's a that's a good pivot point, yeah. if you will, for our conversation of yeah. uh, what's, the, what's, what's the best thing to start looking for next. We'll be back with more of our conversation right after this. Let's face it, Pam. We live in some trying times. True. But even without what's going on in our world, uh, life has its definite pitfalls, shortcomings, struggles, failures, where sometimes it's just nice to know that I can have someone that will help me get through the dilemmas and the crises that I face. Uh, and it's also really nice to know sometimes when that person is a professional. Right. One of our sponsors for today's show is BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P where they will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Interesting. Okay, so we're uh, advertising for other counselors, even though that's what you are. Help help me see that. Help well, me understand. I know what with what I do for a living as a therapist, mm-hmm. um, my specialty and my view and take on life isn't going to click with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so BetterHelp exists to help match up the broad range of extra expertise available to all the different su- subjects or specialties that a person might need that will help them the most effectively. Right. Cause there's a lot of specialties out there, right? Absolutely. And so at betterhelp.com, they will help you start live a better and happier life today because they are a hundred percent online. They match you up with the specialist or the, the counselor that will help you the most. Mm-hmm. And then one of the nice things about it is because it's an all-in-one location online. If it's not clicking with that therapist that they've that they got you lined up with, they can match you with another one for free. Oh, sweet. And a lot of times what I have found with the clients that I work with and with the people that will see, send me emails and ask me questions, they're not taking it serious enough to say, hey, you know what, we're not really clicking. I'd like it with somebody else. And this is a great way that helps make great therapeutic matches that can create lasting change for the clients. 
So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. If you visit BetterHelp.com, and that's H-E-L-P, forward slash S-M-R, you can join the over 800,000 people that are taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. This is a special offer for Sexy Marriage Radio listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash S-M-R today. We appreciate a new sponsor to today's episode. In Beachbody. Mm -hmm. Pam, you remember all those years ago when we did Insanity? Yes, I remember it. I love it. I love it. Shanti. It was aptly titled, though, yeah. with with how much work and uh, the results that came right. from that. Because that was back in the day uh, when we dedicated a lot of time mm -hmm. uh, with the videos that we had. But now Beachbody is uh, completely on demand which yeah. is such a great uh, avenue for when we're stuck at home. And this is the way with the gyms closed in the current state of our nation in the world. Uh, this is a way that Beachbody On Demand can come right into your home. I've loved it because the convenience, right? Because I let my yoga membership lapse because I could never get there at the time their classes were. So <laughs> I, I'm stoked. I love having them as a sponsor because we've loved their product for so many years and I've loved having like yoga and stuff like that, that I can just do whenever it's convenient for me and I don't have to wait for my class right. at the gym. Yeah. If Beachbody On Demand, if you're not familiar with it, it's a streaming service that gives you instant access to over 1300 super workouts that's suited for anybody at any time. <laughs> and they walk you through it. The thing I love the most uh, currently, cause I'm working through uh, lift four with Joel Freeman is the one kind of walking me through this whole thing mm -hmm. uh, four days a week for six weeks. But the thing that's so awesome is you get a chance to pick the workout you want to do with the trainer you like and then try them all over time. Right. Because it's an incredibly effective – the workouts can be in as short as 10 minutes. They don't require extra equipment, although you can get some that are even more involved. So you can tailor it to what fits you the best. Yeah. So I think Beachbody is actually one of the best deals in fitness. And the coolest thing is, Pam, listeners of Sexy Marriage Radio can try it out for absolutely free. Seriously. Absolutely. So if we really want you to try out Beachbody because right now you get a special free trial membership when you text the letters SMR to 303030 on your phone. So cool. that's all you got to do to get full access to the entire platform for free. That's workouts, nutrition information, support, totally free because they have more than just the workouts. They also have all kinds of meal plans mm -hmm. and access to coaches that will help you out. So just text SMR, the letters that start with Sexy Marriage Radio, mm -hmm. to 303030. Listeners of Sexy Marriage Radio can try it out for absolutely free. Well, I think, I think the first thing is to see it because so much of what we do, we do unwittingly. I mean, we do it instinctively mm -hmm. and we may feel off, but we kind of can't see it clearly enough to change it. Um, and, you know, I, for example, I worked with a couple where she grew up in a family where she felt unnoticed. She felt sort of like the lost child. Mm -hmm. She got married and kind of Put, you know, they co-created a caretaking marriage where he sort of would caretake her sense of self. Okay. And she's an attractive woman, but she was always kind of getting him to regulate her anxiety about herself. And so sex was about managing her sense of self. Reassuring her was about managing her sense of self. 
trying to help her with her anxieties. And he had very low desire for sex. Now, eventually he went and had an affair, okay, which is not that he really had an intrinsic low desire for sex. It's that sex in this meaning frame right. was um, just undesirable because it was there was a resentment of I'm always having to prop you up. Right. Sex is kind of always about you. You don't really want to know me because you need so much for me to be your reassurer, right? So what for in her case was starting to wake up to, and, and the, the affair was short-lived and he very much wanted to make the marriage work as did she. So, you know, she really had to face how much she was made, basically the, the marriage was revolving around her anxiety about herself. Okay. And so she had to see how she was doing it and the myriad ways she would take insects in their interactions and so once she could see it and face it and could recognize this pattern also in her family of origin then it was about not diffusing her anxiety in the normal way of trying to extract it from him either through sex or through the emotional interactions or extracting reassurance from him and so it was just an act of self-control, really, at first, which okay. is, I can't do this to him. I think she started to see it rather than, I'm weak, he's strong, he really should reassure me, because that made it tolerable for her, even though she always felt anxious, even when he reassured her. Right. It didn't make it go away. Right. She had to start seeing it as, I'm actually taking from this person, and it makes sense he's trying to keep it arm's length from me, because I'm sucking the life out of him. Okay. So once she could see it, she's she was working hard on on managing her own behavior and not doing this and seeing all the ways in which she would push for him to reassure boy her up not just be with her sexually but right. reassure her sexually right because that's what starts to set up this scenario that she's describing in the email of attachments just not enough what it, once i get it yes. it it's still it, it doesn't right. fill it it doesn't it, it, exactly. It's not it feels satisfying. good in the moment. Right. It feels like it takes your anxiety down in the moment, but then ultimately you still don't feel wanted and right. you're not clear that this person desires you and you actually can tell they don't. Okay. Yeah. And he, here's, here's the thing also that jumps out to me kind of building off of what you're describing is I like the framework of it. Maybe it starts with just an element of self-control. Of, yes, uh, it does. Of, of seeing it as, and this is not an apples to apples comparison, but this is what comes to my mind because this is in a similar vein in the history of my life and my marriage with Pam. Um, yeah. I had times where early, early on uh, when we lived in Dallas, when yeah. lots of times we've, we've kind of come into a habit, and I don't know if this is a universal thing of married couples or not, but when one of us is driving, we call the other. It's just one of the things we do. It's just a touch point, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, I used to do it, and it, most of those calls always came out of emptiness. It was I wasn't mm -hmm. feeling good about myself, or I was bored, and I wanted Pam to help me feel better about me, but I had no clue that was the motivation, but that's right. what it was. And so when right. I would call her, and I would be interrupting her, who's a tax accountant and in a zone, and no tax accountant in a zone or anybody in a zone likes to be interrupted, especially from somebody coming from emptiness— would right. would would yeah, respond absolutely. would respond with a what do you need and I'm like crushed immediately 
Yeah. With the way she answers the phone. You don't want to be with me. You, you're annoyed. I'm calling. Right. I hear it because what I'm hoping for with that phone call is I was just thinking about you and so excited. You are the best. About, yeah. I can't wait till I can mm-hmm. get home tonight and see you again. Yada, yada, on and on and on. Okay. So now to this day, the, the, the element of self-control. When I pick up the phone to make a phone call to her, to this day, I have a momentary pause of, what am I doing this for? Where am I coming from? What is this about? Right? Is it I need? Mm-hmm. Is it truly I need something? Like, hey, we got the mm-hmm. schedule issue coming up. What? The, what about this? What about that? And then I'm okay. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take the risk of mm-hmm. the interruption. But then the other side mm-hmm. of it is, if it's a I need you to help me feel better about me, I can still bring that to the forefront and say I was just feeling kind of down and I wanted to hear your voice. That's a different connotation. Yeah, it is. And the way I'm There's more responsibility it. in it for one. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, right. that's the hope. And so I almost yeah. hear it for her, uh, the email, that she, the self-control mode is not, because this is the thread I hear so much, and I'm sure you've kind of confirmed it when we were talking right before we started recording that in the work you do too, that you see a lot of higher desires get caught up in this dilemma of, am I wrong? Something's wrong. Something's broke, mm-hmm. whatever. And then the other is the easiest way through this thing would be just for me to limit my desire. If I could mm-hmm. just lessen my desire, which I don't really want to go down that mm-hmm. route of, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think right. instead. No, I agree with you completely. Right. I yeah. think it's, I think instead it's better. And this is non-gender specific in my mind, because even though this is mm-hmm. a wife emailing in the same counsel I would give a husband. How have you sexualized some of these desires that aren't sexual? Right. That maybe you're looking for the prop up and you've sexualized it to get it. Right. When right. it's really not a sexual thing. It's a insecurity thing. That's right. It's a confidence thing, which could easily find line be both. Right. You know, non-sexual or sexual. But maybe we have found, oh, I get a whole lot more of that wind in my sail, even though it's temporary, when I go sexual with it. And so how do you decipher the difference? But basically, what's the meaning of my sexual desire? What's it coming from? Is it coming from my, from emptiness? Is it coming from strength? And um, is it desirable? Right, because this is what I was thinking of before, is sometimes we apologize for our higher desire. Okay, and there's social and cultural reasons why we do that because of shaming of sexuality. Right. But a lot of times what I ask higher desire people of what do you have to be ashamed of in your desire? And it's a real question. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes there, if you're using sex to get this person to manage your sense of self, well, maybe you do have something to apologize for. You should be. There, <laughs> there is it, some shame to that that goes with that. Yes. Right. Exactly. And if it is, if it's about really choosing your partner, really wanting them, then you have nothing to apologize for. Correct. And you shouldn't act as though you do. So helping people to figure out what's driving my desire uh, and discerning between what's strong and good in it and versus what's weak and not good in it allows them to self-confront and build more confidence in their desire. Right. I, I love that. And the other for the other framework and phraseology I love of your work is the idea that almost encapsulates what you're just describing there is if it's coming from goodness within yeah. you, however you deem that, right? Because that, al- right. that allows some right. variance in the value structure. <laughs> that, that's right that, that matters right. to each person's uniqueness and situation but if it's coming from goodness 
that's the best place you can start. That's right. And one way I think about goodness, and, and it's a Christian idea, which is that, you know, Christ was really clear about the fact that, is it about loving self, other, and God? Is it about making others stronger? Is it about buoying one another up in the true sense, right. not propping up, but actually facilitating strength? That's the definition of true religion. Because right. it's pulling both and, people up, not just exactly. one at the expense of the other. At the, exactly right. Yes. And so, you know, sacrifice makes the one sacrificing and the one sacrificed for stronger, for example. It's not a martyr, right. psychological martyr position. And so I think that's just really important for us to think about because we often can mask or tell ourselves something's good that's in fact compromising us and propping up someone else, right. or it's we are getting something, but it's at the expense of another. And so is there some way I can be in relationship to my sexuality where we both thrive, where we both are stronger? And what do I need to look at in myself? And, you know, sometimes it's the simple question of the higher desire person is to really inquire of the lower desire. What's it like to be with me sexually? Great what's question. Not, what's not fun about it? And it's such an obvious question. Yeah, but, but you know, it's, it's not one something we, we don't want. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know the answer to that. <laughs> right, because if we want validation, we're going to have no interest in that question. We don't want to know the answer, right? <laughs> and so it's like my love language is you tell me everything about me that's good. So. Right, and that's all you can ever tell me is yeah. only the things that are good. <laughs> And it's my love language, so you have to. Right. So anyway, as opposed to tell me what I don't want to hear, and and that's intimacy. And then let me tell let me do the hard hear. work with that. That's right. Because I think that's, that's right. the way we we end it with this with this wife is talking about how do you, how does she and I I love the the terminology of how does she muster the courage to ask these questions first of herself, and yeah. then her relationship you know, specifically yeah. her husband, but how do you uh, lean into that to yeah. see then, okay, that's going to give me tremendous data to know where are my blind spots? Where are my holes? Where are the yeah. things that I've been oblivious to in my own life? Because either it just hasn't been developed in the sense that I've been able to recognize it and have the wherewithal to do anything about it, or it's, I don't want to know, and I don't. Want, <laughs> but now I do. Yeah. Now I'm seeing. No, no, this is worth it. I need. I want that information because it's going to benefit both of us. And when you can do and that, I think you that's get a great, the best great results. The best understanding of. I mean, that courage is driven by love. It's like, look, I care about you. I can see I'm taking it too much, and so I dare to know because I love you. And I think that's what the best understanding of faith is. Mm -hmm is I'm reaching towards something that I know is there. I'm afraid. I feel anxious, but I have enough love to reach towards it and to push myself into growth. Yeah. Even yeah. though I don't want to in the sense of it doesn't feel good, but I choose to. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's good. There, uh, Jennifer, thank you. I was you just going to say, there, Go. you're, you're no. welcome. Oh, and we can do this in the next segment if you want. I think there's maybe more to say about the lower desire guy too. I mean, I think there's something we could think about in that and maybe we can do that in the next segment, but I think, you know, there's a lot of people that ask this question on my side too for the higher desire woman. And I feel like it's a question that doesn't get asked enough or answered enough because I think they're 
is sometimes differences in the lower desire wife as opposed to a lower desire husband sure. because of the cultural expectations of sex. But sure. you decide hey, if you want Thanks for teeing that up. That If you want to hear sure. our conversation about <laughs> the impacts and the differences with the lower desire husband, uh, join us in the extended content. Great. So, Jennifer, how can people find you? Because uh, you're sure. worth being found. So tell <laughs> tell everybody how they find you. Sure. Uh, just my website is my name, which is finlayson-fife.com. And uh, yeah, so on my website, I have podcasts that I've done. I have podcast archive and um, some online courses that I do. You know, I have it framed for LDS couples because that's my faith background. But they're really about, they're just a Christian framing right. but these same ideas, much like this conversation around right. developing a better um, emotional relationship, a better sexual relationship. It's one, one course is the relationship course. Second one is a couple's sexuality course. Then I have a women's desire course of a self and sexual development course, how to talk to your kids about sexuality. And I'm also developing a men's sexuality course that I'll be doing this fall. So very good. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much again for the work and for the time that you're spending uh, with me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, check out the links in our show notes below to learn more about where you can find Dr. Finlayson Fife's website, her online courses, information about her upcoming events, information about her free Facebook group, and more. Thank you for being here. <laughs>